Amen. Well, welcome once again to the house of the Lord. It's great to be with each of you today in God's presence. If you have your Bibles, please turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. First Corinthians 15, verses 50 to 58. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption, and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast. Therefore, church, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Swallowed up in victory. For those who know and have Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, this is not only a future reality, this is our present reality. Swallowed up in victory. Yes, our death swallowed up in victory. Because of the cross of Jesus Christ, because of his death, burial, and resurrection, and can we agree today that our living is swallowed up in victory? 1 John 4, 4, you are of God, little children, and have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. The church of Jesus Christ needs to hear this today. Romans eight thirty seven. yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him, who loved us. The voice Bible reads, no matter what comes, no matter what comes, we will always taste victory through him who loved us. You see, the reality is that we are miracles, living a miracle life. We are in this world, but we are not of this world. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free and the truth is, if we could see it in this way, for this is the truth, for us, eternity with Christ has already begun. We are already living our eternal life. The message, death swallowed 
by triumphant life. Who got the last word? Oh, death. Oh, death. Who's afraid of you now? There's reason to rejoice. Sin swallowed up in victory. Shame swallowed up in victory. Guilt swallowed up in victory. Death swallowed up in victory. Our past swallowed up in victory. Our present swallowed up in victory. And our future swallowed up in victory. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 8 in the Passion Translation, we live with a joyful confidence. Yet at the same time, we take delight in the thought of leaving our bodies behind to be at home with the Lord. The Voice Bible reads, there is no doubt that we live with a daring passion, but in the end, we prefer to be gone from this body so that we can be at home with the Lord. For those that know Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, life is swallowed up in victory. We are those living with a joyful confidence, living with a daring passion. And as one preached, joy in the Lord is more injurious to Satan's empire than anything. The joy of the Lord is our strength. We are those who are living a miracle life. Recently, I drove past the cemetery after rushing to a shop to buy pogo sticks before they flew off the shelf. Apparently, they're all the rage. Every generation has their toys. But I'd just like to say I'd rather see a generation hopping around like kangaroos than watching like sitting ducks. I drove past this cemetery and the Lord asked me a question. What is a cemetery? And then the answer came. But that evening in conversation with people, I asked the question, what is a cemetery? And then answers came, a ghost town, a dead end, a statement, a train station, a garden. What answer came as I drove by this cemetery? A grave situation. A grave situation, yes, for it is full of graves. And for those who do not know Jesus, a grave, severe situation. But for those of us who do know Jesus, victory. 2 Corinthians 6.2, behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. The Amplified Bible, behold, now is truly the time for a gracious welcome and acceptance of you from God. Behold, now is the day of salvation. 
The truth is, the reality is that not one of us knows how much time we have left on this side of eternity. And we say, ah, I'll stretch my days. But Matthew 6, 27 declares, and who of you by worrying and being anxious can add one unit of measure, cubit to his stature or to the span of his life? And so I say to us all today, now is the day of salvation. There is salvation in no other name. We live in a world surrounded by individuals, perhaps even Christians that would say, try Jesus. Perhaps he's your answer. Give Jesus a try. But A.W. Tozer said these words. Many people say, try Jesus. You don't try Jesus. He is not there to be experimented with. Christ is not on trial. You are. First Peter 1, verses 22 to 25, since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit, in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible, through the word of God which lives and abides forever. Because all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man is the flower of the grass. The grass withers, and its flowers fall away, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Now this is the word which by the gospel was preached to you. Drove past the cemetery. I'm sure many of us have. In fact, you're here this morning. So depending on the route you took, you drove past at least one. One day, every one of us will find ourselves on the other side of the grass. And the Bible is clear, Hebrews 9, 27. And as it is appointed for men to die once, but after this, the judgment. Our only hope is Jesus Christ, and I want to remind us all today that that is the truth and that is the reality. And for those that do not know Jesus, Jesus Christ is our only hope. Acts 4, verse 12, nor is there salvation in any other. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. You know, I thought about this this morning, that there are a lot of names given among men. Try this. This will save you. Try this. This will help you. No other name. Our decision concerning Jesus will cement us to either eternity with Jesus or eternity without Jesus. Hellfire. And isn't it true that we dig our own graves? No purgatory. 
And what a lie the enemy has flushed out, penance over repentance. How are we to live? How should we live? I love the words of C.S. Lewis. He said, my prayer is that when I die, all of hell rejoices that I am out of the fight. Do you know Jesus? Do you know him as your personal Lord and Savior? Do I need to be saved? You must be saved. Charles Spurgeon said these words, believe, may the Lord help you to believe in Jesus immediately. Ere you leave this place, trust him. Trust him wholly. He came to save sinners. Let him save you. It is his business. It's not yours. Leave yourself in his hands and he will save you. To the praise of the glory of his grace. Today is the day. Cement yourself to Christ. One thing I love is a nice lawn, a nice patch of grass. Anybody else with me in the room today? One thing I love is a nice lawn, green grass, deep green grass, thick, lush, carpet-like. Now, year after year, my lawn had been brilliant. And then, four children and friends. And then, one dog. And then, yes, that old jumpy castle you heard about weeks ago. And this year, the outlook was grim. The outlook was grim, and I was outside one day, and my lovely wife came, and she uttered the words, or rather the word, impossible. Now, I love a challenge. And I said to her that when the impossible happens, she was not allowed to walk on the grass. But I found grace in my heart, and the golden rule kicked in right away. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. I thought, why don't we just tear it out and put in AstroTurf? And no offense if that's your cup of tea, but that's not how we roll. As for me and my house, real grass. Now I've been working at the lawn. It takes a lot of work, a lot of work to revive it. A lot of work to get it to the place where it was. And I'm happy to say that the impossible has happened. It takes work to keep grass looking good, especially when there's traffic, wear and tear, use, fun and games, and so on. It takes exposure to the sun. It takes water. A lot of water. Fertilizer. Weeding may have to disrupt the surface, may even have to throw some seed down. My prayer for each of us is that when we pass from this life, 
The grass is greener on the other side. My prayer for the lost is that they come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ so that when they pass from this life, the grass is greener on the other side. And for our children, all our children, every Christ City kid, every King's kid, that they grow in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man so that when they pass from this life, the grass is greener on the other side. Does the green grass on the other side of eternity require work on this side of eternity? Let me ask the question. Does the greener grass, the green grass on the other side of eternity require work on this side of eternity? You know, I thought about it this week. And listen, if you're outside, I mean, all of a sudden everybody's out working on their lawn, watering their lawn. Last night my neighbor brought my sprinkler. My how we work to keep grass green on this side of the grave. A little friendly neighborhood competition. And the truth is, even in the cemetery, the grounds crew are at work to keep the grass green. You're saying, oh, no. Here come the good works. And you know what? You're right. Are we saved by good works? No. Are we saved for good works? Yes. You see, just like we are born into this world, it's a free gift. Think about it today. You didn't earn birth into this world. You didn't buy birth into this world. But when you're born and you start to grow, the work starts. Life is filled with work and works. Ephesians 2, verses 4 to 10, but God who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith and not that of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. Which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Listen to these words. The purpose of good works isn't to change us or save us. Rather, it's the demonstration of the change within us. The Voice Bible reads, for it's by God's grace that you have been saved. You receive it through faith. It was not our plan or effort. It is God's gift, pure and simple. You didn't earn it. Not one of us did. So don't go around bragging. 
that you must have done something amazing. For we are the product of his hand, heaven's poetry etched on lies. Created in the anointed, Jesus. I mean, catch this. If there's any question regarding good works, are they important or not, the Bible says, created in the anointed Jesus to accomplish the good works God arranged long ago. And then we read James 2, verses 14 to 26. Just to nail it home. What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food and one of you says to them, depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. You're part of the faith camp, and I'm the works. Show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that there is one God, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. (laughs) But do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? And there's a question mark there. Do you want to know? Are you interested in the truth today? Do you want to know that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Do you see that faith was working together with his works? And by works, faith was made perfect. And the scripture was fulfilled, which says, Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. You see then that a man is justified by works and not by faith alone. Likewise, was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way? For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. And perhaps there's someone here this morning and they say, well, I'm not a fan of this verse. Well, in the words of Charles Spurgeon, if there is any verse that you would like left out of the Bible, that is the verse that ought to stick to you like a blister until you really attend to its teaching. The truth is, believers need to work to keep the grass green on this side of the grave. And believe it or not, the grass on this side of the grave speaks concerning the grass on the other side of the grave. And so I want to encourage us all here today, let's work. Let's grow. Let's get in the sun, in the presence of the sun. Let's drink in the water, the living water. Let's be enriched by fellowship the building up of each other by the word of God which endures forever, enriched by the Holy Ghost. Let's take care of the weeds. Let's keep the edge and let's deepen in color.
As a wise man once said, let us live as we shall wish we had lived when life is over. One thing we all need to be reminded of today, each and every one of us, is to not envy the wicked. As believers, as sons and daughters, as followers, disciples of Jesus Christ, we need to be reminded to not envy the wicked. Have you ever looked over into your neighbor's yard and been envious of the grass? Take a closer look. It might be AstroTurf. Or perhaps it's not fake, and it does appear good. Matthew 5, verse 45, for he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. You know, I was thinking about the grass, and I'm like, Lord, if you could do this, this miracle, that it only rains in my backyard. The sun only shines in my backyard. The whole world would come knocking at my door. But we read verses like this. And as the people of God, we need to be reminded to not, to not envy the wicked. Don't let the prosperity of the wicked have its way with you. With your faith, with your relationship with the Lord, with your attitude, with your peace. Psalm 73, verses 1 to 3, truly God is good to Israel, to such as are pure in heart. Now listen to these words, but as for me, my feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped, for I was envious of the boastful when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Proverbs 3.31, do not envy the oppressor and choose none of his ways. Or Proverbs 24.1, do not be envious of evil men, nor desire to be with them. Proverbs 24.19, do not fret because of evildoers, nor be envious of the wicked. My favorite psalm in the Bible is Psalm 37. I want to read verses 1 to 11 today. We can have the worship team return. Beginning at verse 1, do not fret because of evildoers, nor be envious of the workers of iniquity, for they shall soon be cut down like grass and wither as the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. He shall bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret 
it only causes harm. For evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait on the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. For yet a little while, and the wicked shall be no more. Indeed, you will look carefully for his place, but it shall be no more. But the meek shall inherit the earth and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. The cemetery doesn't have to be a grave situation. No more than simply a place full of graves, the gateway to eternity, lives swallowed up in victory. If you're here today and you do not know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, now is the time. Today is the day. Do you need to be saved? We must be saved. We must be saved. As the Bible says, only one name saves us. Only one name. No other name given among men. Perhaps people have offered you some other name. Take this. Try this. Do this. The answer you need, the name you need, is Jesus. For those of us who do know Jesus as our personal Lord and Savior, I mean, rise early, rise each day and just marvel at the wonder, the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ. Your life is swallowed up in victory. It's a day to rejoice. Death swallowed by triumphant life. Who gets the last word? Oh, death. Who's afraid of you now? Who's afraid of you now? Sin swallowed up in victory. How many are thankful that your sin is swallowed up in victory? The guilt swallowed up in victory. The shame swallowed up in victory. Some can't seem to get past their past, you know what I'm saying? It's a constant struggle. There's this line in a song, I don't have time to maintain these regrets when I think about the way he loves. And I got this picture, this is some time ago at a young adult service. I see a lot of people in this in this picture maintaining their regrets like a plant watering it giving it attention listen the past is over it's time to see through the eyes of Jesus wouldn't it be nice if you just erased our minds and erased the memory of the past? But that's not the reality. I think part and part it's there to 
there to, to keep us humble and have us to continually marvel at the grace of God. Sin swallowed up in victory, the guilt, the shame, death swallowed up in victory, our past swallowed up in victory. I'm so thankful our present is swallowed up in victory and our future is swallowed up in victory. For those that know Jesus, this is the life that we now live. And perhaps that's the word you needed to hear today. Let victory swallow you up. You came in here feeling defeated, get swallowed up in the victory of Jesus today. It's been preached and it's true. The greatest enemy to human souls is the self-righteous spirit, which makes men look to themselves for salvation, for saving, for answers, for help, for strategy, for surety. But we understand that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the only answer for us. And he's the only answer for our world. The victory of Christ, what a wonder. Swallowed up in victory. I just recently came across this and then we're gonna stand and worship. You remember the story of the three wonders in heaven? This isn't long, okay? You remember the story of the three wonders in heaven? The first wonder was that we should see so many there we did not expect to see there. The second, the second was that we should miss so many we did expect to see there. But the third, the third wonder would be the greatest wonder of all, to see ourselves there. Let's stand in this place. Let's just begin to lift up our Lord and our Savior. Thank Him. Just thank Him today for the victory. Maybe you need to begin to declare and confess this victory over your life, over your life, over your life. Swallowed up in victory, all these areas. Swallowed up, swallowed up in victory. Swallowed up. Swallowed up.